I am super excited about March 7th as we uh, navigate um, coming back together, together even more so. And I cannot reiterate enough that we need your help to get some volunteers for nursery and, and uh, kids first, preschool ministry. If you've never served uh, and would like to serve, uh, we're not asking you to sign on a dotted line for now and forever till death do us part. Uh, we just want, we would love to have such a host of volunteers that we can create a good rotation uh, through and just to bless and help disciple our kids. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go to Mark 14 while you're going there. Um, I, I want to share a cool celebration. I was just told this past week uh, that there was uh, there's a family that was inviting a, a couple other families that they trusted, they thought were safe, and uh, into their home to watch K First online on Sunday mornings. And um, we're just experiencing it together with some other families. And they say, he said, and somebody said, why can't I be baptized? And they said, well, why not? And he said, we for the first time baptized somebody in our own home. And I think that is phenomenal. So if you don't, listen, it's, it's not trained professionals can only baptize. If this stuff is happening, let us know. And one of the best ways to let us know is kfirst.org slash blessed or blessing. Blessing? Blessed? I think it's blessed. Um, oh, Lord, try both of those, please. And I think it's blessed slash blessed. And share some stories with us on how God has, maybe how has God has blessed you or how somebody has used somebody in your life to be a blessing. We, we love hearing stories about having and living a culture of blessing. That's what this series is about. And um, my son told me a story, I think it was yesterday, two days ago. And I don't know why I'm sharing this. It has nothing to do with anything. Uh, we all grew up doing this when we are playing phone, right? You know what I mean? We all do this. You know what he told me? The youngest kids nowadays, they don't do this because they don't see home phones. Cause why? Because they don't want politicians calling us. So they don't do this. You know what they do? This. Because they only see blocks in people's hands instead of this. It has shaken me for like 24 hours, and I don't know why I needed to even share that with you this morning. Go and enjoy that little tidbit of information. So talk to the kids. Play phone. What does a phone look like? I'd, just, I'd be fascinated to actually see if that's true in your family. Anyways, let's get back to spiritual stuff here. Um, Mark chapter 14. We started a series last week that um, I think kicked off in such an amazing way. If you missed last week, go back and watch it. Um, I'm very long-winded, but it, the, the, I think the point comes across so powerfully that instead of original sin, uh, we believe in original blessing that came before original sin. Yes, we are, we're all sinners that we all need to be saved, but the reality is, is we attach our identity not to the sin, but we attach our identity to the fact that we, in John, excuse me, Genesis chapter one, are made in the image of God, and when God made humanity, he blessed them, and we draw from that. And we, we pointed out, Mark 14, that this woman who comes into this room where Jesus is eating and he, she blesses Jesus and immediately everybody around her points at her, tagging her to her past when she is tethered to really who she is in the Lord. And we started this culture of blessing. Mark 14, verse 3. Hope that you bring your Bibles. Y'all should bring your Bibles or your apps. That's fine too. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. All right, let's pause. We know that Simon was probably healed because if he was still a leper, they would not be at his house. How would you like to know that if you had a disease that everybody just referred to you as that person with the disease? Don't ever do that to people. That's, 
weird. Don't do that. But here, he's just, that's just how he's known. Simon, the former leper. He was reclining at the table and a woman came with an alabaster flask and an ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were some of you who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? Look at that. Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. I'm going to pause right there. Um, They're they're talking, in fact, the other translations, um, what we'll point out, especially this one, they could have gave it to the poor. Um, Excuse me, uh, Mark chapter 14 uh, is also seen in Matthew chapter 26. It's also seen in John chapter 12, uh, as well as Luke chapter 7. Some people think that's a different situation. I believe it's the same. But they look and said, you could have given this to the poor. Now, in this culture, whenever well-known people and people that had a means would have celebration banquets and sit-downs, they would actually allow the poor to come to the door and the poor to come to the windows because they were able to have what was left over. And so many times it was a thing of status. Look at what I'm giving you. And so they're actually making a statement, almost mocking her in front of those that had nothing. Like, we could have... Honestly, raised our status a bit more by giving to people like this, but look at you, you went and you did this selfishly. They are literally harping on her. And it says this, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, and uh, whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. And she has done what she could. She has anointed my body before beforehand for burial and truly I say to you wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world what she has done will be told in memory of her man I love that last line of verse 9 it is a prophetic word that Jesus gives and we today just by talking about her are fulfilling that prophecy this woman is sensational. She is amazing. She is astounding. And if it wasn't for the book of John, we wouldn't even know her name. That's going to be the last message of this series is one name that matters. One name that matters. Next week, we're going to talk a bit about tithing, which saying that out loud may have people not show up. And I'm here to say, we have to have conversations about these things and the beauty of giving. But today, I want to preach a message that's simply entitled, Nothing Wasted. Nothing wasted. When you bless somebody, nothing is ever wasted. God doesn't waste the blessing. And whenever we do something for somebody, whether we're giving of our time, giving of our abilities, or giving of our finances, whatever we do to bless, it is never wasted. Would you pray with me one more time? Jesus, here we are. You can have it all. Have every bit of our lives, every bit of our hearts, and everything that is connected to it. And I ask that today that you would anoint our minds and our hearts to see what you want us to see, to be what you want us to be. I pray that you would take the foundation that, of the scriptures, God, and God, let it, Lord, help to form the foundation of our lives. Let it speak life into us, God. Jesus, you are the living word. Speak into us. Your servants are willing to listen and ready to respond in obedience. I speak your blessings over one and all in Jesus' name. Amen. 1984, one of the best years of humanity. Why? Because the Tigers won the World Series. After that, let's just not talk about the Tigers after that. But 1984, there was a commercial that came out for Apple, and it was just entitled Think Different. And what kind of 
happened through the commercial was images of different individuals around the world just kind of appeared. People who invented, people who inspired, uh, musicians who sang and created. There, there are people like Amelia Earhart, Picasso, Einstein, Gandhi, Jim Henson, um, Dr. King, Muhammad Ali, and tons of people who were just appearing at random throughout this commercial. And it said this in the background. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and square holes. To the ones who see things differently, they're not fond of rules. You can quote them, you can disagree with them, you can glorify or vilify them, but the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward and while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the, uh, because the ones who are crazy enough to think they could change the world are the ones who actually do. I, I, I love the way that's written, but when I think about this woman, that kind of came in unannounced. She came into a situation for which she really wasn't invited. She gave of something that in other people's rights said, you have no right to give that and no right to do that. And the more that you actually peel back the layers of, of Matthew, 4, excuse me, Matthew 26, Luke 7, Mark 14, and John 12, this one story split up in four ways. And the more you begin to study it, the more you see that she is countercultural to what she was expected to do and expected to be. She refused to go into a model of what society said, what culture said she had to do. She wanted to be who Christ called her to be. She is the crazy one that transforms the world. And I believe that God is calling for us to no longer bend our knees to that which the culture says that Christianity is supposed to be like. I don't want to look like what other people say that we have to look like. I don't want to look at what scoffers say and begin to bend my knee to what they say I have to be. I want to look at Jesus and say, God, you can have it all. And whatever way that looks and whatever way that is lived out, it's got to be in such a way that when I act, people see that it's not about the person. It's about one name that is above every other name, and his name is She's that world changer that I want to be like. The world changer that says, that which I have, it doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter what people think. I'm giving Jesus everything. I, I want to be that type of person that pushes against status quo Christianity. The one that will take Jesus so serious that refuses to let the limitations of what other people say hold her back. She wants to go after him. My one point in this entire message, you can boil down my entire message into this single point that I want you to grasp today, and it's this. God is at work. Join him in what he's already doing. God is at work. Join him in what, what he's already doing. I'm telling you what, this past two weeks, I've had some of the most discouraging things come my way, and in the face of all of that, I've never seen the gift of prophecy used so much than what I've seen in the past four weeks. From my personal prayer team to people that have called me up, people have sent me messages, people that have wanted to meet and given me a word, and know what it just tells me. It's reminding me that even though I can get frustrated by what I see or by what I'm listening to or a news thing that is trying to get my attention, no, regardless of what I'm seeing around me, I have to lift up my eyes to recognize God is on the move. God is at work. God is ready to harness his people. I believe this is the year of the local church. If we will rise up, focus on him, and be like this woman, ready to push through the pressure and to encounter Jesus by being at his feet. So when we give, 
When we give to people, when we give of ourselves, we are joining him in what he's already doing. When we choose to serve somebody, whether it's the nursery, preschool, kids ministry, youth ministry, first impressions, when we choose to serve somebody that's out and about on the highways and byways of life, we are joining God in what he's already doing. When we find somebody to simply bless, you and I are joining God in what he's already doing. Myrna is joining compassion. God what she's already doing. And we read in the scripture that Jesus had compassion. So when we, when we just see someone in uh, a store, in um, various places, in church, wherever you're going to see some church family, it doesn't even have to be church family. You can bless people that you don't know. Of course. Um, you can um, just love on them just start conversation with them. One of my favorite places to be a blessing is in a grocery store. You're standing in line, everybody's just kind of twiddling their thumbs, what am I gonna do? I'm getting frustrated with waiting and so on. But you can start talking to them about their pretty children, the pretty dress your child has on, all those things. And for me, that leads to other things. It leads to um, talking about my daughter's uh, migraine healing. It was a continuous everyday thing for her and how Jesus healed her and let them know that Jesus meets needs today. He meets healing needs. He meets, meets financial needs as well. Mm. So just a variety of ways that you can bless people. I love, I love that fact that throughout the series we're sharing people from K-First talking about how God has used them to bless people. And I love Myrna's approach because I don't know about you, one of the angriest places on the face of the earth is in line at Meyer. And when we're all thinking about getting out of there, Myrna is thinking about how can I find a way to bless the people that I'm standing in line with. See, this is it. God is at work. Join him in what he's already doing. When we give, when we bless, when we're looking to invest into a life in a moment, whether it's with a message, it's in a line, in a grocery store, in an offering, in a way to serve somebody, we're joining God in what he's already doing. I want to give you kind of the background of the word bless. The, origin, the entomology of the words to bless is so fascinating. Uh, and it literally means, the words to bless means to add strength to another arm. To add strength to somebody else's arm. That's really what it means to bless. So when, when, when it says that I want to bless somebody or I want to be a blessing, this is really the entomology, the background of what that really means. Now, if you would just bear with me for about 20 seconds, I'm going to teach you a climbing term. Why? Because I love rock climbing. Love it. It's just, it's my go-to. And so in rock climbing, there is a specific term that I'm going to teach you that is important and it's called the crimp. C-R-I-M-P. And when you crimp something, and we're gonna show you a picture of a crimp up, up on the screen. Um, the one on the left is more like what's called a open crimp. And you're taking your fingertips and you're barely catching, some of y'all are gonna do this in the doorways of your house on your door jam today, just to test it out. You're gonna go up and you're just gonna crimp it, trying to pull yourself up. The other side, if you were to see the other side, 
the thumb actually closes around it. That's called a closed crimp. So the left side is an open crimp. It's hard to see the thumb on the other side. That's a closed crimp. And what happens is when you close your crimp, the thumb here adds, get this, 20% more strength to the crimp. I do the one on the left constantly, and when I get down from climbing, and I'm like, man, I can't believe I fell off of that. That's where Ethan is down there. My son is down there to say, why don't you close your crimp? And he says it constantly. You can add 20% more to your strength by just simply closing the crimp. You're like, what does this have to do with everything? This is blessing. Because there are some people that are holding on to their life for dear life and they feel like they are losing their grip. But when we come into bless, we are bringing in 20% more strength into them. When they're ready to give up and you decide to bless them with a word of encouragement, what are you? You are the thumb of the Christian world. You are coming around their life and you're saying, when you're losing strength, I'm gonna provide strength. When you're losing your grip, I'm gonna bring grip. That you may feel like you're at a loss, I'm gonna help fill that need. You need something, I'm gonna give of what I have. This is what it means to be a blessing. And being a blessing means whatever we do whatever to relieve burdens in someone's life. It's anything that helps someone to breathe more easily. It's anything that lifts somebody's spirit. It's anything that alleviates their distress. So when we bless somebody, we are the closed crimp. We immediately, I mean, imagine if you just re-looked at how to bless somebody. Imagine that just by speaking a word into somebody's life when they need it most can immediately add strength, 20% more when they thought they were gonna let loose, when they thought they were going to fall. Your strength upon their strength can help them make it through their moment. This is what it means to bless. See, when you tithe to the church, can I tell you what you do? Let's, make, let's just make this dirt real. When you tithe, do you know what you do to the church? You add strength to the, to the church's arm. Do you know that? When you tithe, when you give, you add strength to the arm of the church that is reaching out to a community. It enables us to reach out. It adds strength to the ability to be the hands, the feet, the arms, the legs of Jesus out to the world around us. When you give into somebody's life, Maybe you see somebody that's hurting. Maybe you see a need on Facebook where somebody's hurting and you send them a message that says, what do you need? How can I help? Immediately, you add strength into them at one of the most desperate times. A few times a year, I get the weirdest compliment, and it happens literally two to three times a year. Pastor, I was gonna contact you a couple months ago because I just wanted to compliment you, but then again, I didn't want you to get a big head. I'm like, what? Why would you ever withhold a blessing? Because you don't know what that moment could be for that individual where you can be the thumb over top and add 20% more strength to that individual that thought that they were gonna run dry. I think I've shared this before, so please forgive me for resharing this. It was um, about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, that we had an unfortunate situation on our staff in Midland. And, and we watched a marriage get destroyed on our staff. And, and our, one of our pastors was hurting. He had, res, he had resigned uh, because of what had happened. And our church was hurting. But most importantly, like, not most importantly, but our pastor who was leading the whole church was hurting and he was broken and he was just mourning over everything that just happened. And so I remember just sitting in my office and the spirit of the Lord spoke to me about a word out of 1 Samuel where God spoke to the prophet Samuel because Saul had failed. And, and the prophet said, 
how long will you mourn over Saul? I've got somebody else. I'm going to reload. I'm going to bring somebody else into this place. And I remember God spoke to me and said that you need to go tell your pastor that word. And I refused. I'm like, that's going to be weird. I feel awkward. Man, that's not going to really work. Uh, No, God, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe it was the cheeseburger, right? I I just went through all of these things. And I just ignored it. And and I, I want to say it was like a day or so later that my dad calls me on the phone. He says, you know what? I've been praying for your church. I've been praying for your pastor. Can you give him a word from me? I'm like, oh, all right, this is going to be weird, Dad. What do you got? He says, it's out of the book of 1 Samuel. He says, you remember when Samuel was mourning over Saul and God was already preparing David? And he said, how long will you mourn over Saul? I've got something new prepared. Would you go tell your pastor that? And so I broke in tears and I walked down and knocked on his door and I walked in. And I just, Pastor, how are you doing? And he just began to pour out that over the past few days, during the time for which I was told, he had been hurting. I said, I just, I confessed and I repented. I said, I need to tell you what God told me, but I'm going to tell you more specifically how God was faithful through my dad. This is God's word for you. And I watched him just get so encouraged. What happened? 20% more. You can be the 20% more. 20% more. I feel like I need to stand on that for a second. That God right now is dropping somebody in your heart right now that you can add 20% more. Maybe it's a blessing of a check in their life. Maybe it's a blessing of a coat for somebody. Maybe it's a blessing of a word of encouragement that you right now need to ignore this pastor and text them right now a word of encouragement. I had a friend call me from Qatar, not guitar, Qatar, just a couple days ago that stopped in the middle of our conversation and said, I feel like I gotta deliver something to you. And he delivered, he goes, okay, it's gone. (laughs) Why? Because he released it. You know what he added? 20%. This, This is what happens when our grip is no longer on our stuff, but it's on the Lord. When we loosen our grip on our things, our things, they belong to God. When we loosen our grip onto things, it gives us the ability to grip onto Jesus. In fact, I wrote it this way. When we have a light touch on things, God can then trust us with full hands. Some of us, God wants, to, we want God to bless us, but I want you to tell, stop praying for God to bless you. Pray for God to use you with what you've got. And when God uses you with what you've got, then expect God to refill your hands again. Be faithful with what God has. I mean, look at these people, Mark chapter 14, verse 4. They, all they could do was calculate what was being lost. They looked and said, why are you wasting that? They scolded her, and Jesus says in, in the King David translation, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Why? Verse 6, she has done something beautiful. And I asked the question, what made this so beautiful? What made this so beautiful? What made this moment a waste? Because she gave something that was how much? It was 300 denarii. Do you know what 300 denarii is? It's a year's wage. Imagine, I don't know what the annual salary is for somebody that lives in Portage, Kalamazoo, or this area, but say it's $30,000. Could you imagine walking up and putting a $30,000 check in the offering, $30,000 check in the offering, which I am not telling people that you can't do. You're more than welcome to go do that. But imagine just walking up and and slapping down a year's wage and saying, Jesus, have it all because I want to bless you. I want to bless you what you're wanting to do. 
and everybody said it's a waste. So I asked the question, what did Jesus see that others did not? And I've got limited time, so we're just gonna plow through this here. Number one, what did Jesus see that other people didn't see? Number one, she, he saw the gift as personal. Verse eight, saw the gift as personal. She did what she could do. She did what she could do. Some commentators believe that this was something that she could have never afforded. It was something that was passed down to her. So regardless of how you look at it, if it's something she bought or something that was given, something was passed down through family, regardless, it was a personal thing and she did what only she could do. And so I wrote down two thoughts about this personal gift. Is number one, take steps of faith with what you've been given. Take a step of faith with what you've been given. Don't live in competition or comparison with what other people are given. Some people give much, some people give little. Some people have got certain skills to give, some people have other skills to give. Some of us are so busy competing with other people, Jesus doesn't care about the dollar amount, he cares about your heart. And stop saying, well, I can't do as much as other people, so and then therefore we just don't give. Or man, and this person could really use the blessing, but I don't know how much I have. Stop discounting what you have to give. Because what we see in scriptures is Jesus can take even a few fish and a few pieces of bread, and he can feed the multitudes. He doesn't ask for your amount, he asks for your obedience. He wants to use you to bless. Nothing goes to waste. Second thought I had about this personal gift is this, is God can trust you with blessings so long as you can bless others through your life. That God can trust you with blessings. Well, pastor, I want God to keep blessing me with more. Yeah, I do, I want him to bless you with more, but how about this? Until the more comes, bless God with what you already have. Because I've learned that if we don't bless God with what we already have, that we're never gonna bless God if we have way more. Well, I'll tithe. I'll begin to give, I'll give to missions, I'll reach out when I get to a better financial status. Listen, when I learned to give, I didn't learn to give when I got a job as an adult. You know when I learned to give? The first time my dad paid me to help him change the oil, he paid me a dollar. I don't know what I really did, but I remember paying, a, I remember getting a dollar and he says, so you got a tithe on it. I'm like, well, how much is the tithe? He said, it's 10 cents. You got change. Dad, do you have a dime? He goes, no, no, you get it out of your dollar. I said, well, if you just give me a dime, I'll give that because I just wanted to have the whole dollar. I got baseball cards in my head. Come on now. Give of what you have, and when you God can trust you with blessings, he'll do it so long as that blessing doesn't stay with you. Number two, the gift Jesus saw as beautiful, not just because it was personal. He saw it as a beautiful thing because, secondly, it was deliberate. It was deliberate. What do we mean by deliberate? It was intentional and it was voluntary. And worship band, y'all gotta come out or else I'm gonna keep going here. Come on out. Jesus saw it as intentional and voluntary. Verse eight says, she came in and anointed with her, uh, anointed her. What does that mean? She had received the anointing bottle. She had received this beautiful gift and she did not want that gift to stop with her. So when God blesses us, it's not to bring us to a status, it is position us to actually be a blessing to the people around us. I love this word. The blessing of God was never designed to stop with you, pass it on. And if you're sitting next to somebody, just touch them and say, it's time to pass it on. Pass it on. I was reading a great article. It was, it was about, um, it was in Ansbury, Massachusetts. This customer came to Heavenly Donuts and triggered a chain reaction that led to a lot of smiles. 
According to the clerk at Heavenly Donuts there in Massachusetts, 55 customers rolled through the drive-thru back-to-back, each one paying for the next person's order. Employees were stunned that every customer was willing and eager to continue the chain, especially when the orders ranged from $5 to $20. And they said, who broke the chain? Because that was my thing, is if 55 people went through, one paying for the people behind them, who was number 56? Who was that person? And it said, when somebody asked who broke the chain, the manager said it was the last car in line and only because there were no cars behind him. See, God can bless your life. And it was never meant to stop with you. You're meant to pass it on. She received something and she had to pass it on. And as I was, I was, as I was reading this article, another one came up that was just even crazier. It started with an older gentleman who pulled up to a Dairy Queen, hallelujah, and drove through there in Brainerd, Minnesota at the height of the lunch hour and said, I would like to pay for the car behind me. And the customer and, and, and said, whatever they ordered, I will cover it. So the employee rang up two orders and thought that would be the end of it. But two days and hundreds of cars later, she and the rest of the crew were still ringing up pay it forward orders as each person who came up to the window paid for the ones behind them. And said, I've seen chains like this for pay it forward that lasted about 20 cars, but never like this. And at the end, it had been more than 900 cars over the span of two and a half days. Some people who only ordered an ice cream cone ended up paying more than $50 to cover a carload of children behind them. And if they could pay for the whole thing, they did. Some of them said, keep the change and use it for others. And the chain was finally broken through two and a half days when a customer came through and said, I don't have enough money for the people behind me. And the restaurant was actually out of the carryover funds from the previous two and a half days. See, the blessing of God was never meant to stop with your life. Imagine what we wouldn't have to preach and to glean from if Mary got a blessing and it stopped with her. And I mean, think about what happened in Mary's life. John chapter 12, we learned that her name is Mary, but in John chapter 11, we learned that Mary is the, is the sister of who? Lazarus. What happened to Lazarus? The dude died. And after being in the tomb, Jesus resurrects him back to life. And so when we see Mary in John chapter 12 and the story, the same story that we're reading in Mark chapter 14, she has been blessed and she can't let the blessing stop with her. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let the blessing of God ever stop with you. Be deliberate, be intentional, be voluntary. Number three, Jesus saw her gift as significant. In the message, verse six says, she has done something wonderfully significant to me or for me. You see, significance has little to do with the amount and has everything to do with the heart. See, the people in the room, the people scoffing, calling it a waste, all they can do is calculate what they thought they were losing. We're gonna talk about that next week because we find out that Judas, whenever an offering was given, Judas would skim off the top. So when Judas is griping about it, we'll talk about it next week. Judas was only seeing that which he wasn't getting. And for here, they're too busy calculating what they could have done with the money, not realizing that she was giving something significant. Why was it significant? Because when you step back in the scripture, you begin to realize that this moment happened at such a particular time. Why? In the beginning of your chapters, you'll see that there was a plot against Jesus being killed. And then right after, Mark 14, right after Jesus has this happen, Judas leaves and he gets money to betray Jesus and turn him in. 
that tells me that her gift was significant. She says, she's done something wonderfully significant. When you step out and you bless people, whether you're giving in an offering or you're giving of yourself or you're seeing somebody that is without and you're pouring into them, you used to know about somebody with need and you help to provide that need. You are meeting somebody. Some of you don't even know what you're doing in the moment. Mary didn't know what she was doing. All she knew is to step out and to do that which God had already done in her. And it was significant. It tells me this, that you don't have to wait for the conditions to bless because you have been positioned to bless. Why are you positioned? Because you are already a blessing. That's Genesis chapter one. That's last week's message. I gotta keep moving. But step out. You gotta step out. Regardless of the condition that you're facing, step out with what you have because what you have could bring something into somebody's life that is a significant blessing. Life isn't about what I have and what I can gain. <laughs> mm -hmm. Life is truly about what I can give and who I can bless. And my hope is just that I can do that same thing for my kids. Like I can instill that same love of God's people mm -hmm. <laughs> and desire for his kingdom to continue to grow. Right. And that I can help them think outside themselves because it's, we live in a world where it's hard not to be selfish. It's yeah. very hard not to be selfish. Being a person of blessing feels like a, when, when I was asked to do this mm -hmm. and was told those words, be a person of blessing. And I want you to write a, make a, help us make a video about being a person of blessing. <laughs> those words are heavy and feel strong and feel like something no one could ever live up to. <laughs> My first reaction was, um, you have asked the wrong person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have asked the wrong person. But while being a person of blessing feels heavy, mm. it's the tiny little things that you can do every day mm. that add up to that difference. Gotcha. And how, how many, I can't think of how many times in my life I've been stopped because the task feels like a mountain <laughs> and uh, there's nothing I can do to move that mountain. So I'm just going to do nothing. Mm. Mm. And instead I need to be reminded that little steps get you to the top. Yeah. Little things and that's why I, with my kids, we talk about what are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? How is God blessing your life? And how can you bless someone else's life? Right. Like those words need to become normal conversation. That shouldn't be foreign. As the body of Christ, it shouldn't be foreign to say, what is God doing in your life? And how can you use that to bless someone else's life? How many times do we spend money on little things? Mm -hmm that mean nothing. Like, if I'm being very vulnerable, I used to be, buy way too much Big B coffee. <laughs> but by taking out three or four Big B coffees a week, yeah. that's $20 that I can give to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And it it's not that big of a sacrifice for me. No, right. But it it's an aware, it's like making yourself aware and choosing to do something different than what's natural. Yeah. It's not always natural. 
Like, being a person of blessing is not natural, but it doesn't take a lot of work. Right, right. You just have to be intentional. We're going to save uh, the third video for next week. But today, I want to lead you to a place where we really begin to develop an awareness. Because when I look in this room, I see 20%. Not 20% of K-First people, but I see candidates to be 20% into somebody else's life that's hurting, that's broken, that's maybe losing their grip on life, losing their grip on their faith, losing their grip on whatever in their life, that you can be that 20%. God is at work, and it's time that we join Him in what He's already doing. And so we're going to go into a time of worship here, and we're going to introduce a new song to you. It's a song that's been very meaningful to me, very meaningful, to, honestly, to my family. And it does have a hint of this woman giving of her oil and giving of her perfume. But it just begins to say that, Lord, we want to move your heart. And whatever we have to give God, we will do whatever that moves your heart. And specifically, that moves your heart and moves your heart in other people's lives. And would you, in this solemn moment, would you ask God to begin to work so deeply in you? Maybe, honestly, maybe we need to have a time of repentance while we sing that says, God, forgive me for gripping onto my stuff, onto my things, onto myself, and just holding onto it because I've claimed it as my own. Maybe it's a time to begin to just say, God, I give you this time, begin to open up my heart and begin to see the people in my life, the individuals I cross paths with, so I can do the simple little things, as Elizabeth said, the simple little things that I could just begin to pour in and I can actually bring the 20% grip into their life. You may think it's something small, but I'm here to tell you, I don't care how big or small it is, nothing is wasted when you're blessing another life. Could you stand with me? Spirit of God, we just present our lives before you and say, you can have it all. Can we one more time maybe hold our hands in front of us in the same way we did earlier and just say, God, here we are. We want to move your heart, God. We want your heart in ours. And Lord, for us to do a work out there, Lord, we do need to invite a work to happen in here. And so today, Lord, we begin with a heart that is broken before you, a life that simply says, we don't want our lives to be wasted. We want people that will lavishly give anything that you put in our hands because it all belongs to you. And we're ready to walk, to operate, and live in that magnitude. We pray that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.